is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Good day, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 68 for Monday, February 13, 2012, after the mid-season premiere of The Walking Dead. It sure is. It sure is. It's good to be back. It's good to have the show back. I'm uh, I'm very excited, as I always say. I'm very excited, too. And you know what I realized that today while I was uh, watching The Walking Dead for the, uh, the second time? Nope. That... Uh, I just felt this overwhelming feeling of how fortunate I am to be able to have a forum to just spew my thoughts about this show. It's true. A lot of people don't have this, or at least they don't have it outside of their living room. Yeah. Or maybe their local water uh, watering hole. Watering hole? <laughs> watering the hole. Water cooler, the water cooler? The water cooler? The water cooler. That's kind of what I was going for, but then my mind went watering hole. It went to hole, because it usually does. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> anyway, I just I feel I just wanted to express the, the, my thought that uh, I feel very fortunate that, uh, that, first of all, that I get to chat about this show with you, because mm-hmm. uh, you know we enjoy our conversations about all kinds of stuff, and this one's very focused on one particular television show. But uh, I'm also, I feel very fortunate that uh, we can, you know, release this to the, the interwebs at large. Well, speaking of that, you know what the most most fortunate thing is? What's that? Is that not only do we provide an outlet for each other to discuss this show that we love so much, we kind of, in a small way, provide that for the listening community. Well, that that's great. Because they can call in or write in and talk to us, or they can go on our Facebook page, or they can do whatever they want, and we create a conversation. Join the conversation. Now that we've, you know, hyped ourselves up so much. <laughs> well, I didn't want to hype myself up. I just wanted to s- express my gratitude that, uh, that this exists. All right, great. <laughs> well, that's good. Let's get into our show. We've got an sure. awesome show. We, of course have our recap of the most recent episode in Nebraska. We've got some listener feedback. We've got our holy crap, did you see that moment, which I had almost forgot about. That's That was new this season, so over the hiatus, I'm like, what do we do again? Oh, yeah, holy crap. Yeah, I, I listened back to a previous episode that uh, that we recorded just to get back into the uh, the swing of the things, and uh, the swing of things, Yep, as the phrase may go, <clears throat> and it reminded me, holy crap. Did, did you remember that? We do that. <laughs> Holy crap, we do that. Before all that, we've also got some Walking Dead news, which I don't know if we usually do, but there's some big, big news this week that we need to talk about, at least briefly, and I think we're going to do that right now. The Walking Dead News. All right, so the first item in the news is that Tony Moore, the original artist on the Walking Dead comic series, is suing Robert Kirkman. Is he now? Yeah. So this was reported widely across the internet. Tony Moore is, as I said, the original artist. He did the first six or seven issues, and Mm -hmm. I think he drew the covers for the first 25 or so issues. Right. So he wasn't around too long compared to Charlie Adler, who's been doing it since then, but he certainly, you know, uh, helped launch the comic with Kirkman and sort of, you know, made his stake and drew the original characters and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Deadline reports that Tony Moore, alleging he is co-creator of the Walking Dead comic, has filed suit against his one-time partner, Robert Kirkman, accusing him of promissory fraud, breach of written contract, and other charges. And it took how long for this to come up? It does seem like it's been a little while. 
you know, he was been he's probably been out of the comic since sometime in 2005 or 2006. That's a long time. So six or seven years ago. It is a long time. Also from Deadline, they they report that Moore asserts that in September 2005, he and Kirkman entered into an agreement which assigned Moore 60% of comic publishing net proceeds for The Walking Dead, 20% of all motion picture net proceeds for The Walking Dead, amongst other things. Um, and those other things are some stakes in other books that Kirkman has was working on or has been working on. 60% <clears throat> seems like a lot. Of comic publishing net proceeds. That, that, that's net. I mean, if, if it was you know 60% of gross, that's significantly more, I would think. But as a percentage, it feels like a lot, don't it, you think? It, it really kind of does. Yeah. So Moore says in the suit he was reluctant to enter into the agreement, but he claims Kirkman informed him that if he didn't assign his rights as specified, it would kill the, quote, large television deal on the table, end quote. Right. Um, and and what, that's, what that's getting at is I think Kirkman, as the story goes, and this is according to Tony Moore, I believe, Kirkman came to him, said, you know, we've got this big TV deal we're working on. This was long before AMC was in the mix. I think this was back CBS right. was trying to trying to buy the rights, uh, which obviously, as we know, never worked out. But Kirkman had this deal on the table, and he told Tony, look, you got to, we got to consolidate the, the rights to this, or they're, they're gonna, they're gonna pass on it. Right. So most of the rights or all of them went over to uh, Robert Kirkman. Finally, from Deadline, it's the lawyers were saying, it's pretty ridiculous. Mr. Moore is owed absolutely nothing. There is no fraud, no money owed, no credit. He suggested that what all is when all is said and done, Mr. Moore is going to end up paying Mr. Kirkman's attorney fees. So I guess that's what the lawyers have to say. But <clears throat> Well, I mean, it know. does say uh, net proceeds of the, uh, the comic book royalties and uh, of the motion picture. Does that include television? Because it sounds like, you know, is, is television specifically excluded from this? I, not that I, I don't think so. I think he's looking th for money from the TV show. I know, but his, if, his, uh, if he's saying, I signed this deal where I got so much of, uh, you know, the comic book and movies, but I, specific, I got that because I specifically signed away my rights for television. And now he's pissed oh. off because there's a television show that's wildly successful. Right. Although I think he's actually saying that this deal is in place um, was in place made at the time. I don't know if he actually signed anything away. I, in fact, I don't think of any any actual paperwork was signed. Right. This may be a handshake agreement, right? Which is <clears throat> difficult to work with and and prove, I suppose. <clears throat> uh, Tony Moore claims, according to the Hollywood Reporter, that they have not issued they meaning Kirkman and his empire, I guess, have not issued a single statement or allowed access to their books and records in accordance with the reporting obligations of the agreement. So there's some sort of agreement in place, or at least Tony Moore thinks there is. Right. Now, the icing on the cake here, or at least the uh, kick in the pants. The icing on the pants. The, I <laughs> that's, the icing on the pants here is that about nine months ago, Kirkman was on Chris Hardwick's Nerdist podcast. We all know who he is. And he asked him um, how a comic book writer should go about finding an artist. And at the time, Kirkman joked with his answer by saying, trickery and deceit. Oh, lovely. He probably regrets that joke now. Oh, probably. <laughs> so it's things could get ugly here. I don't know. I have, you know, who knows if this will end up being a very public feud between the two. Yeah. This could be all we hear of it until it's settled or it just kind of goes away on its own. But it's 
sort of a bummer that uh, Tony Moore is suing his childhood friend, Robert Kirkman. Oh, that is tough. That must have been uh, why it's taking so long, because it was probably a very difficult decision. <clears throat> yeah. And he's probably getting control- cajoled from family and friends saying, dude, you're owed this money. Get a lawyer. It's like, oh, he's a friend of mine. I can't do that. Yeah. Okay, dude, do you know how successful this television show is? Get a lawyer. All right. And he gets a lawyer, and all of a sudden it becomes this big public battle. So uh, it's yeah, it is an unfortunate situation. It sounds like unfortunate. We'll we'll try to follow it as much as we can and see what happens. But hopefully they can work things out, come to some sort of mutually um, mutually uh, happy agreement. Well, I mean that's the nature of business too. Is uh, you know you become successful, you get sued by a bunch of people that feel like they got the shaft. That's true. The biggest companies in the world are always getting sued, like every day. Yeah, I think Apple gets sued more than once a week. By patent trolls, and don't even get me started about the the patent. Oh, never mind. It's a whole different thing. A whole different thing. All right. Also in the news, Glenn Mazzara sat down with an interview on Vulture.com. This interview was long, extensive, and truly amazing. They talked about all kinds of all kinds of stuff that uh, that you don't usually hear from people in this in these sorts of situations. Uh, he talked about Frank Darabont. He talked about making the show, the story, the fan criticism, all that stuff. And I highly recommend everyone head over to vulture.com and read it. I will, of course, post a uh, link in our show notes. But to go through a few quotes, I have pulled these ones out. Regarding the budget of the show, there was no budgetary crisis on the show, says Mazzara. That's not accurate. That's not... uh, I've been nickel and dimed by studios before. They have not nickel and dimed this show. They have put money into making this show the best possible show. I don't want to talk about why Frank left, that's his business, or why he was asked to leave, or whatever you want to say. But the idea that there was a budgetary crisis that was AMC's fault is completely inaccurate. Interesting. Hmm. Since Darabont basically, you know, said publicly a number of times, I have the most popular, high-rated show on TV. Why would you want to come in and uh, screw with the budget of that? So right. he seems to think there was a crisis. Glenn Mazzara, not so much. Well, maybe it's a crisis uh, because he didn't get all the money he wanted when he went and asked for you know three hundred percent more money. Yeah, it could be a matter of perspective. You're absolutely right. Right. You he know? went. Yeah, he went for you know I would instead of five million an episode, I want twenty five million an episode. No. Oh my God! It's the end of the world. It's a crisis here. We. I'm not going to get the budget I need to make this a successful television show. Yes. Bottom line, we don't really know, you know, everyone has a different perspective. We don't really necessarily know who said what or did what. So if he asked for 25 and they had five and they said no and he hit the road and then Mazzara came in and said, five million, great. You know, <laughs> that's more than enough. What are you, what are you exactly. looking for? Here? Exactly. So uh, I don't know. Who knows what happened? But it was an interest, interesting to see the uh, different points of view there. For sure. So on changes, also from the interview, on changes he made to Frank's scripts, he says, one of the changes that I added after he left was when, in the episode before the mid-season finale, Lori admits her affair to, Rick, affair to Rick. That was something Frank did not want to do. He wanted to. Uh, he wanted that to come out another way. I felt that her back was against the wall during that confession. Hmm. So Darabont would have dragged it out or had it come out in some different, I don't know, differently dramatic way, I guess. I'm happy with how it came out. I think so, too. One of the things I like about this show is that for the most part, and, you know, it's not not every time, but for the most part, people say what they mean and they tell each other stuff and they talk about things. 
they don't go four seasons without mentioning some important fact, like, you know, it's from season one. Right. And we get a three's company situation. Or a lost situation. Yeah. Where characters just do not speak to each other. Who knows why? But in this case, I think Mazara made a good choice. I think so, too. To reveal it the way they did. Yep. Finally, asked if he agrees that the show is too slow. This, of course, was fan criticism for the first half of season two. His answer might surprise some some pumple. (laughs) Some pumple. (laughs) Some people. He says, without a doubt, I think people, again, are watching this show in sort of an id fashion. He thinks, we have an expectation, we need it, we need it now. And if they don't get it, there could be some frustration. So I'm not saying that I have to give the audience everything they want at any particular moment, but there have to be big payoffs along the way, not just at the end of the run. Right. Interesting point. That's I, he's, great. I feel like he's being really candid here, you know? Like, yep. he's he's not tr- sort of coming out and saying, no, 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 oh, just sit back, everything will be fine, stop complaining, everybody. We got a plan, just relax. Yeah, he's good. we got a plan, we're, we're dealing with things... You know, sorry if it was too slow. We need to have some more big moments along the way rather than just leading to a big moment at the end. Right. The show's not about, you know, a long series of levels and one big boss fight. That's good. I think so, too. (laughs) I think so, too. Uh, So anyways, go over to Vulture.com or come over to our website, even better, and click on the link and go and check out the rest of the interview because it's really, really interesting and and, uh, Mazara is very candid in everything he speaks about. Finally, in the news this week, AMC launches the Walking Dead Story Sync. You heard about this? I have not. So what they're doing is it's sort of like a online interactive experience that you can view on your phone or iPad or other device while you're watching the TV show with bonus content and other stuff to do on the internet. Interesting. Uh, they describe it like this. Launching this Sunday, February 12th at 9 p.m. is The Walking Dead Story Sync, a web-based application playable on tablet devices and computers that allows viewers to interact with other viewers and the show during the premiere broadcasts of Season 2 of The Walking Dead. Fans get to weigh in via polls on important topics and how characters should handle critical situations. They get background trivia and also test their knowledge with trivia questions, special graphics, maps, photos, and a weekly kill count, as well as a sneak peek at the next episode uh, and an instant replay of key scenes. That sounds... um, I'm not really sure how I feel about this. Well, I mean, they've AMC has done the pop-up video thing before where on repeats of the show they throw up facts on the screen or information about it, and it's okay. This seems like the next step to that. Yeah, I'm a little worried about uh, them saying that it's interactive. It's interactive with other players, and they can vote on what they want the uh, the, the characters to do. I'm like, I assume that they don't actually have any say in what the characters do. <laughs> it's not a choose-your-own-adventure show. Because that's a whole other thing. Right. That'd Which, be cool. But... I, I think that's coming. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no doubt that that's coming down the pipe somewhere where you have you vote on what the characters do next. Right. Um, but, I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure that this really appeals to me because mm-hmm. uh, it— you know, it seriously divides your attention while you're watching the show. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, if the show's, maybe they're making it boring on purpose. Like, if they make the show very boring so that you have to have something else to do in order to get the full experience, uh, that that would be bad. That would be very bad. So, uh, I, you know, I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm a little confused well, as to why they would do this and uh, what the exact goal is. Well, I mean, they're trying to augment the TV watching experience with something else to 
keep you engaged, obviously, right? right? Plus, they want you to be doing stuff on their website while your eyeballs are looking at their show on your TV. Right. And this kind of thing, I must admit, is not for me at all, because when I watch TV, I like to pay attention to what I'm watching. I don't do other stuff. I don't have a laptop with me unless I'm making notes for this podcast, but I do that on the second viewing. On the first viewing, I'm all about paying attention. <clears throat> like, I don't even watch TV when my kids are up because they're too distracting. Right. <laughs> and frankly, I should be paying attention to them. You should. So... Um, I can't really see myself partaking in this, although I do think it's kind of an interesting idea. You know, the teenagers these days, they can do a million things at once, so Well, what do they say? They say anything that's new between uh, before the age of 18 you find is perfectly natural. Mm-hmm. Anything that's new between the ages, ages of 18 and 35 is cool and interesting. Anything that's new after the age of uh, 35 is, uh, is against nature. And we're both in that... And we're both in that zone. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm, I guess, are we done with new things? Is that the problem? This is different. This is new. This changes the way to watch TV. I'm not going to do that. Oh, that's a little upsetting if it's yeah. true. And 10 years from now when this is like perfectly normal, it's just like, you know, I remember the day when you could just watch TV. You know, do, do the people <laughs> over 35 when there's something new, do they ever do they ever come around? Is that part of this theory or well, is it always old and, and silly? Well, it's just a, you know, just a generality. <laughs> I still find new things pretty cool. That's true. So I'm still a bit of a technophile and uh, still, anyway, so I don't find it completely against nature, but uh, I don't think it's for me. You and I don't fit the mold, man. Oh, I don't fit very many molds at all. Okay. Uh, but hey, if you're out there and you really, really like this, let us know. Write in or call in and let us know your experience with StorySync. I did go back through, because you can go back and look through the stream of content later if you want. Right. So you can actually experience it during a rewatch or whatever. Kind of not in real time, but you can go slowly along. And there was some interesting stuff. A lot of ads. Oh. Like a lot of... I thought there was a ton of ads built in. It's basically a stream of content that you go down to the bottom and then you can kind of go back up through it in the right order. Ad after ad after ad between everything. Kind of. Well, that's why they want your eyeballs on something other than the TV show because the TV show doesn't co- show you ads all the time. So, you know, the more I think about this, the more it feels like these they're cheapening their, their TV watching experience. AMC doesn't give a crap of whether you enjoy the show or even watch the show. They just care if you see their ads. Should, should I be ads. surprised? No, not really. I mean, when you watch TV now, like actual watch live TV, you get the lower third of all this crap. Oh, that right? drives me crazy, you get too. The, first of all, you get the whatever station you're watching, and then whatever station that originated the programming. Like if you're in Canada, we get feeds from NBC, let's say. When you watch the Super Bowl, you get the NBC logo on the bottom left of the screen and the CTV logo on the bottom right of the screen. Right, and then you get the lower third where they're advertising something else, like check out the show that's on next, and then they have, uh, you know, whatever characters running around with whatever signs or whatever. <laughs> Clearly, anything that's new after the age of thirty-five, we don't like. <laughs> well, especially when it involves advertising. Yeah, that's Any right. Any new ways of advertising to me is very irritating. Yeah, we were talking about ads before movies before this podcast, and realized how annoying that is. It is, but I don't think there's anybody that likes that. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. Okay. So <laughs> I'm the, sure that there's lots of people making a lot of money off yeah. that stuff that just love it. The people making money love it. I'm, All right. Uh, you know, if you were an advertising executive and you went to see a movie, you'd actually be sitting in that movie thinking, I'm making myself money by looking at this ad. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That, that'd be a good thing. And you'd be a complete douchebag. Well, 
on that note, let's <laughs> move on to our recap of Nebraska. Now, we didn't unfortunately get our bumper clip in time for this recording, so we're going to do it ourselves and fake it, okay? Sure. You, so, you're going to go first and try one? No, here's what I was thinking. Okay. I'll make... I'll do the, the under noise, All like right. the, the noise, and you can do the episode title name. All right. <clears throat> so here we go. All right. Nebraska. Pretty good. <laughs> Nebraska. We'll have to go with that. Okay, so Nebraska. Time to recap Nebraska. First, though, the ratings. Awesome. <laughs> so. But first. I have exciting news. 8.1 million Holy viewers. Holy crap. Watched nebraska last night 5.4 million in the 18 to 49 demographic apparently that is up 12 percent over the previous record set by the walking dead holy moly therefore this being a new record and combined with the encore at 11 p.m they totaled 10.1 million viewers that's a lot of eyeballs they did pretty well i'll uh, tell you they did great <clears throat> so that is very exciting they, they're setting records all over the place and uh let's get into it so Oof. We pick up, as we all know, last uh, half of this season ended with Rick pulling the trigger and shooting poor little Sophia in the face, mm -hmm. and we pick up right after that happens. Yeah, immediately. He's still pointing that gun up at her, even though she's dead on the ground. Um, I thought there might be a short break, even a, even a few seconds, but we didn't even get Something. that. Yeah. You know? Uh, anyways, so... Sophia's lying there, and Beth is crying, and she runs over to her mother's body. She heaves another body, another zombie body, off of her, but her mother isn't quite put down yet. Not and, quite. And uh, comes back to life, so I, to speak, and reaches it was, up. It was just a glancing blow off the face. Yeah, it took part <laughs> of her face off, yeah. and she didn't go through the through the skull. Though. No, no, it just took her face off there. So go for the brain pan. You do, not just the cheek. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, so Beth is there getting attacked by her mother. Everyone sort of runs in to try and rescue her. They're trying to pull her away. But Andrea steps up and um, what's that thing called? A scythe? A scythe. She's the reaper. She is the reaper. She, here comes the reaper. She's no nonsense now. Tough as nails. Here comes the reaper right through the skull. It was, it was awesome. Um, the effect... I thought the effect was a little weak, the special effect. It was a little weak. The, the the angle that she was sort of standing there holding that thing didn't quite match up with the blade coming through, but it was quick enough that it worked. I think this says a lot about the uh, Andrea's character going forward. Mm -hmm. Like, she's no-nonsense, tough, tough as nails, does what needs to be done, is, uh, you know, cool under pressure, but uh, I think she's rash because the angle of that thing, if in any way it missed... It would have killed, uh, what's her name, standing in front. Or seriously hurt. Anyway. And there's a lot of people standing around. And this is a big weapon that she's not familiar with swinging at all. She's not a farmer in any way. She has never reaped anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and now she swings this thing, hits it. Like, you know, she did a good job. Sure. She, she got the, the zombie right in the skull. But uh, I think that it was a very rash move. And, uh, you know, she's, bit, she's a bit of a cowboy. Maybe she was a star baseball player in her youth. And she's, she, can, she really has that muscle memory. That'd be great if it was a baseball bat. Well, true. It was not a baseball bat. This was a completely <laughs> unfamiliar weapon. She does not have a proficiency with this weapon. A lot longer, that's true, yeah. than a baseball bat. But luckily she hits the zombie and nobody else. Yeah, she got lucky. But you're right. She's making decisions here without thinking. And she did the same thing with uh, with Daryl when he was coming in and she thought it was a walker. She took a shot. It's, that's true. Took his ear off. You know, she does what needs to be done, but she's making some 
bad decisions. Maybe she'll get better. She'll Maybe. improve. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, but after she puts that thing through the zombie's head, everyone heads back towards the barn, and Shane is accusing Herschel and his family that they knew Sophia was in there. Maggie slaps him, and Herschel basically tells everyone to leave. And I think this speaks to uh, Shane's character as well, because he's not done arguing. No. Like, I think he just, uh, he doesn't, I don't think he actually thinks that they knew Sophia was in there. I think he's just so angry that he's picking things to fight about now. Well, he's an angry guy, and he's yeah. he he might be. I I don't know. I think he probably does believe that they that they knew she was there, but yeah, he's not ready to let it go. You he's, know, yeah, he's picking. Nothing. He's he's going after everything he can to pick a fight. Yeah. So after Herschel and everyone go inside, Rick and Shane continue to argue about it outside until Shane storms off and credits roll. Right. After the credits, we come back and Andrea is covering Sophia's body. Daryl goes to sit with Carol in the RV, although no words are spoken. He's just trying to support her, I suppose. That was a nice scene, actually. It was. Uh, we go to Glenn and Maggie, who are in the farm. He asks her if they knew she was in there. And Glenn does most of the talking in this scene. He's talking about moving on. And uh, the entire time, he seems clueless that Maggie is a little pissed that he might just leave. Right. He's just going, blah, 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 blah. And she's sitting there. But wait, what do you think of, you know, but then what? But we're in a relationship, dude. <laughs> Are you blind? <laughs> right. Back outside, we have an important scene between Carl and his mom. They're talking about uh, <clears throat> Sophia. And Carl says that he would have shot her too. He sure that, would have. That dad did the right thing by putting her down. Clearly, Carl, is, this clearly this world is starting to harden Carl. Oh, yeah. He's, he's getting cold yeah. and ruthless. When I, I, I was talking to the TV at this point, I said, damn right you would. That's <laughs> right. You better, you better remember that yeah. next time you need to shoot something. Uh, so the rest of them, the rest of the uh, group around there talk about what to do with the bodies, and they decide to bury the ones they love and burn the rest. That's what they do, apparently. Right. <clears throat> now, they didn't burn Jim from season one. They just left him sitting there. Well, he wasn't dead. Or, or bury him, I'm sorry. He wasn't dead, though. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know. <laughs> Why not hang around until he dies and then do something well, nice Well, I mean, the if guy? they're going to stick around, yeah. at this point they think they might stick around. If they're going to do that, they're not just going to leave a bunch of dead bodies littering well, that's true. the farm. It's a bit nasty. Yeah. Uh, so Rick and Lori talk, and he's questioning his own ability to help anybody at this point mm -hmm. because he'd sent them all out into the forest looking for a girl who was already dead and shane was right well yeah. but he didn't know rick was doing what he thought was right of course so shane goes to get the truck to move the bodies and dale is standing there then they have a rather one-sided conversation shane uh does all the talking and he seems to be feeling a bit insecure i thought during this whole exchange yep. and he goes on about how he's the only one keeping everybody safe speaking right. of that and this conversation <clears throat> went exactly the way it was it should have gone you cannot deal with irrational, irrationality with rationality. Uh, Dale did exactly the right thing by not uttering a word. Anything he said would have made it worse. You're right. It would have just made Shane go even farther yeah. sort of off the deep end. I mean, your, your gut instinct is to say something biting and to, especially on television when you have a scriptwriter, uh, to say something biting and uh, to... to put them in their place a little bit but the the right thing to do when somebody's spewing irrationality at you is shut the hell up yep they will storm off at some point there's no way you can fix this situation yeah they'll storm off at some point and probably think about what they said and realize it was stupid yeah uh, unless you 
add your own two cents, which is just going to make things worse. You're absolutely right. So I applaud Dale for exactly what he did. Yeah, Dale, I have, my, I have problems with some of his decisions, but I think you're right. In this case, he made the right one. So after digging some graves, Lori goes to get Carol and Daryl for the service, but she doesn't want to come. Carol doesn't see that thing, she says, as her daughter. Yeah, my daughter died a long time ago. That's right. That's not her. Um, in Inside the farm, we see Herschel packing a bag of his wife's things and pulling a flask out of his tie drawer. <laughs> do you have a tie drawer? I do not. I have a tie hanger, but not uh, a drawer. I have a, I have three or four ties, but currently I don't know where they are. <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah, you don't wear a lot of ties, do I you? I do not wear a lot of ties. Um, so at that point, we get a shot of the whole group standing by the graves. Nothing is said. And as the camera's pulling out, they all kind of walk off in different directions and we go to commercial. Mm -hmm. Was Carol there? She wasn't there, was she? I don't believe so. I, I think that was the whole point. She didn't want to come and she ended up not coming. She, right. she, uh, she wasn't there. When we come back from commercial, we do see Carol though. And she's in the forest destroying Cherokee rose plants. Right. Obviously a little bit upset about that. Very... We get Andrea and T-Dog loading bodies in the truck. Dale walks up and questions the decision to shoot them all. He thinks it was unjust. Right. Uh, and as they drive away, we have an awesome scene of an arm falling out of the truck. Andrea jumps off the truck, picks it up rather nonchalantly, and heaves it back into the bed of the pickup. Okay, now I wanted to, like, I know arms are heavy. We don't consider them really heavy because, you know, right now we have a couple of arms each. Yep, and uh, they don't seem like they're very heavy because they're part of our bodies. But yep. when you pick up a dis dismembered arm, it looked pretty heavy. It did look heavy. It looked real too. Yeah, no, it was. It was that effect was fantastic, and it, and I'm pretty sure that you know an arm of that size would be thirty, forty pounds. Like how heavy is an arm? Well, that's that's a good question. I, I'm asking I, the internet right now. How <laughs> heavy are heavy? arms? is my arm it looked like <laughs> it looked like a muscular arm too right it, like it looked like a big muscular arm and it included it included most of the shoulder i think so there's a lot of muscle in there and muscle is heavy i've been told so yeah you're probably right maybe 30 pounds 30 40 pounds i don't know um but she she did strain a little to pick it up and then she sort of yeah heaved she it back it. in i'm getting uh florence and the machine lyrics so I don't know. I'll have to look this up. All right. If anybody knows how heavy their arm is, let me know. Yeah, that's something you could presumably weigh somehow. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say, right? It is hard. But hey, uh, she had to pick up that real, real looking arm and throw it in that truck. That was a great effect anyway. It really was. Inside, Maggie asks Glenn if his group leaves, uh, would he stay? And before he can sort of really answer, although he kind of fumbles a few words. But but I but but I never thought about Beth <laughs> collapses in the kitchen from shock. Thunk. Thunk. Uh, so they're distracted by that. Um, they realize that Herschel is gone because they're wondering where he is, so he can come help Beth. And after searching his room, figure he's probably gone into town to drink at the bar. Because they found a flask that was probably empty and has been empty for a very long time. Yeah, but it was out. And 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 Maggie did relate that, you know, he used to have a drinking problem, but he hasn't since I was born. Right. So it's not completely beyond the realm of possibility that they would jump to, well, he must have gone to a barn. But you're right, it did feel a little bit convenient for me. It, it seemed like a, uh, if you're, you've never watched Law & Order Criminal Intent. No. Well, one of the, uh, the, the, uh, 
one of the actors on that show, his part is as a very, very smart detective. And he can do things like walk into a garage and see an oil spot on the floor and deduce that they left yesterday afternoon because uh, they needed to get groceries. Well, see, so some people can just do that. Yeah, you'd see something that's completely innocuous and uh, jump to wild conclusions. And, of course, you're right because you're the smart guy that figures out stuff like this. Yeah, absolutely. So I just I think the conclusion they drew from this is a little far-fetched because not only uh, did they find a flask, but they found a whole bunch of boxes. He was obviously rifling through stuff and packing up stuff that has been put away for years is coming out of the closets, coming out of the drawers. They find this object that was obviously in a closet or a drawer for a long time, and they jump to, oh, he's gone drinking. Right. It just, uh, it, no, I don't, it, I don't buy it. It was. It was a bit of a stretch, I admit it. I felt exactly the same way. I just think the the explanation of, how he did used to have this problem, and he lived it. He drank at that bar every day, apparently for a long time. Right, helps it a little bit. Yeah, but you're right. It's it's a bit of a stretch. Um, so yeah, they realize he's gone now. Glenn and Rick decide to go get him because that's what they do. Yeah, they they go get people. They're the getters. Uh, Lori and Shane sort of team up and tell Rick not to go because he's needed at the farm. You want to have a conversation about this before you leave? Say, so you seriously gonna go after this guy with everything that's going on, huh? He's right. He's right. This is not the time to head off, not today. You don't always have I'm to. I'm not be... arguing. It's the least I can do for Herschel after we. What? After we what? It's the least thing he can do for Herschel. Um, it's. Uh, I like this because Lori and Shane teamed up against Rick here. Yep. It could uh, could mean something. I don't know. We cut to Shane taking a shower at a well, more or less. He's just sort of. <laughs> letting the water, you know, splashing the water over his head. When uh, Carol stumbles back out of the woods, I guess she's been out there this whole time destroying Cherokee rose plants. Shane helps her clean up in the water and says he's sorry for what happened to Sophia, although he really talks about himself the whole time. Right. Says, I was just trying to help everyone. He's just trying to reinforce that. Um, Dale and Lori, at this point, we see them coming out of the farm, and Dale tells her he thinks Shane killed Otis. So now that secret is out. Well, that assumption is out. Okay, the assumption is out. You're right. Dale said, I can't prove it, but he he basically told me. Yeah. I don't know. Dale seems to be... He seems to have figured this out a little too easily. Yeah, again, the the conclusion that he jumps to is ultimately right, but it doesn't feel like a natural conclusion. No, it, it, it doesn't. I mean... We do have the scene from earlier in the season. I think Shane says something like, you know, he basically does admit it to him and says you can't prove it. Yeah. But still. I I mean, in a heated conversation, it's like, you did this. You can't prove that. Yeah. You You know, I may have said that myself, even though I was completely innocent of whatever I was accused of. And even back then, I got the feeling that Dale kind of already knew. Or yeah. at least he already had that suspicion. Like, he put it all together just from, you know, out of his own brain. Well, and I remember when we were uh, after uh, the incident where uh, Shane did shoot Otis, that, uh, we, you know, we talked about the fact that a real police officer that has detective skills would have figured out that something's wrong mm-hmm. with uh, the story that Shane was telling. And I guess Dale is the only one that picked up on it and, uh, you know, put together the conclusions and confronted Shane and Shane didn't really deny it, but didn't really admit to it. And so his conclusions are shaky, but 
ultimately correct. <laughs> yeah, he feels good about them, that's for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Dale's the Dale's kind of been sitting around on watch a lot. Dale, I realized, hasn't done a lot this season. He fixed that radiator hose, just like Shane said. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. But he hasn't done a lot. <laughs> Next time we need a radio, radiator hose, I'll come to you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> he says. So maybe he's been sitting around a lot of time to think. Everyone else has been out searching, out doing stuff, you know, shooting zombies at the barn. Dale wasn't even there shooting, if you noticed. No, no. So I don't know. Maybe he's had all this time to contemplate the facts, and everyone else just hasn't really done it yet. Well, he, he's obviously spending a lot of time journaling. He you must know, he's be writing in his journal. He's figuring things out. He's like referencing things. Yeah, he's uh, you know journaling. I I I say that's what he's doing. Journaling. Okay. After a commercial, we come back and we're on the road into town with Glenn and Rick. Glenn admits that Maggie said she loves him, and he didn't say it back, but he can't believe she actually means it. Right. Because why would anyone love poor little me? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it's. You know, it's a hard thing to, to come to terms with when nobody's ever said that they loved you. <clears throat> except his mom. mom and his sisters. Right. And, uh, you know, it's like we're, he's right. We're in a very weird situation here. How the hell can you be sure of what you're feeling at any given time? This is messed up, man. It's true. So. It's very true. It was kind of a lighthearted scene, though, because Rick sort of laughs at him and is like, don't worry about it, man. I'm sure she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> she's smart enough. Yeah. Back at the farm, though, Lori sees Beth worsening, and she goes to ask Daryl to go to bring Rick and Herschel back, but he says forget it because he's done helping people, and so Lori decides to take a car and find them herself. <clears throat> Not very smart, but no, we'll find out in a minute. Rick and Glenn bust into the bar, and they find Herschel sitting there. They talk a whole bunch, and Herschel admits that he was wrong. He had hope, but he's entirely lost it now. Right, and this is where we get the line where we thought maybe that Rick had told him uh, what... You got the line all queued up there? I do I do not have the line. All right. So, uh, yeah, this is where he said, uh, and you know it now. Yeah. Uh, we thought that maybe it was uh, uh, Rick had told him what Jenner had told him, mm -hmm. told Rick, but uh, apparently not. No, apparently not. And on that note, I'm starting to get the feeling that they've just kind of forgotten about it. I, I, I'm really? sure they haven't. I don't know. I feel like maybe it's just me thinking about it too much, but I feel like there's been numerous opportunities already for this secret to come out in a compelling and interesting and fascinating way, and they've passed on them. They've had a lot going on between, uh, you know, the opening of the season when he was talking on the radio to maybe Morgan, maybe not. Mm -hmm. uh, and, like, you know, since that point, there has a lot been going on. I'm not sure that... Uh, you know, forgetting about it is completely unrealistic. I mean, sure, Rick has other things on his mind, and he may just not feel that things are uh, in the right places for him to say anything, because things are happening. Now, I realize that, and I also realize that actual time passed in the show isn't that long, right? But I, I, mean, I, I mean, I feel like we're getting to a point now where the writers of this show are starting to forget about it. Maybe they don't know. Yeah, they Nobody don't told know. the writers yet. <laughs> uh, remember, guys, we got to reveal this at some point. So I don't know. It's it. I, I I'm not going to say you know I'm upset that our theory didn't come true, but I feel like it was a good theory. I right. feel like the pregnancy <laughs> was a good theory. All these things I feel work, but they haven't gone for it yet. So when it does come out, and hopefully it does, better be something awesome. Well, we've uh, yeah. What we need is uh, actual live people to die. And for time to pass mm -hmm. and for a discovery to happen after that. And then maybe it'll come out at that point. Oh, I knew that. That'd be kind of lame, actually. 
See what I mean? Like, that doesn't work. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, but they're going to be a zombie anyway. Well, that might happen, right? When we get to the death of a main character and they're all like, oh, crap, this person has been murdered or killed or for whatever reason. And then Rick's like, uh, okay, we got to deal with this. What do you mean we're going to deal with it? We just got to bury him. No, that's not going to be enough. It's not going to work. And then it comes out. That might be a little more compelling. Come to think of it, um, we'll get to we'll get to something else in a minute. I just had another theory. Before that, though, finally we see Lori on the road in the car, not watching where she's going. She hits a walker and swerves off the road and rolls the car. Oops. Now, I didn't see this coming, to be honest with you. I didn't see... I know we'd seen clips of the car flipping in the previews. Right. It didn't... I didn't think it would be her driving the car. Really? Yeah. I didn't think so. But I saw her get in the car. And I'm like, that's the car that rolled. In a preview? You no, saw her get in the car? We, no, in the show, we, we saw her get in the car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon that's... as I saw the car... No, no, no. It was I, her. I know that. I know, like, in the context of the episode, I knew it was going to happen. Right. But before I watched the episode, I mean, I didn't see it coming that she would be in the car. Oh, yeah. I thought it was going to be Shane for sure. Yeah, I thought so, it's too. It's his car, isn't it? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah. And so that's it. But um, anyways, it was Lori, and she rolls the car, and we don't find out if she's okay or not. No, we. that's the last we see of her. That's the last we see. We come back from a commercial, and we are back in the bar where everyone continues talking. And uh, I think Rick seems to be winning Herschel back. You know what the truth is? Nothing has changed. Death is death. It's always been there. Whether it's from heart attack, cancer, or, or a walker, what's the difference? You didn't think it was hopeless before, did you? And now there are people back at home trying to hang on, and they need us. Even if it's just to give them a reason to go on, even, even if we don't believe it ourselves. You know what? This, this, this isn't about what we believe anymore. It's about them. And with that, I think Herschel decides, yep, I got to do this for my family. Yep. For my daughters. What? Which is exactly what Rick was going for, I think. It was. It worked. It was a good little speech, I'll it, tell you. It's a good plan. And just in general, when somebody's behaving badly, you... Uh, you know, the idea is to give them something greater to think about rather than just themselves. You know, like help yourself out. This is not, this is bad for you. That kind of thing is uh, usually not nearly enough to get anybody to change behavior. Because they're past that by that point. Yeah. They, they don't, don't care, care about themselves yeah, anymore. It's just me that I'm hurting. What the hell? Get the, get away from me. Where, but if you give them something uh, greater to aspire to and greater to think about, then they will uh, they will step up. And what's greater than helping your children, really? Yeah, do this for your kids. I mean, how many people quit smoking because they think that they're, you know, they want to be healthier? Very few. But a a lot of people will quit smoking because they're about to have a kid. Yeah, there's there's no better reason. (laughs) Really? I I want to be around for my kids. You know, that higher higher reason to, uh, to do something. Perfect. But right after that point, all of a sudden, those two dudes open the bar door and walk in. Hey, they're alive. There they. Hey, they're <laughs> alive. That's right. We get Tony and Dave walk in. So we find out then that Tony and Dave are from Philadelphia. Oh, uh, they met just outside of Philadelphia. True. They are traveling down. They've come a long way. They have from Philadelphia in a short amount of time. How do you know it's short? <clears throat> uh. Okay, you're right. Apocalypse has been ongoing for a little bit longer than we think. They have a car. Yeah, but I mean, it's a tough trip. I mean, there are cars everywhere. There's zombies everywhere. You're running out of gas. You got to find food. I mean, you can't get anywhere fast in this environment. I don't know. Well, what's it been? It's it's been like, what, a month? 
let's just say it's been a month since what the, the outbreak the outbreak i think it's been longer now we thought it was six weeks okay well let's say they two months let's okay and let's say it took them a couple of weeks to get going or something get on the road you know i don't know i feel like they've traveled a pretty far distance in a short amount of time hmm. considering uh anyways so they're sitting there chatting with uh, Rick, Herschel, and Glenn in the bar. Dave does most of the talking, and he tells them about the trip from Philadelphia. They also talk about Fort Benning, and Dave tells them that it's overrun with lame brains. Lame brains. <laughs> Another term for the zombies. Yep. Um, once they start talking about where Rick and the gang live, things start to get a little bit less friendly, and Tony goes to take a leak in the corner. Yeah, a little bit of a weird scene, well, you I know, thought. Some people just have no class. It's tr- truly you've been on the road for a while you know <laughs> the world has gone to hell you just take a leak wherever you are but with everyone like sitting right there well, hanging sometimes around? you know in a combat situation and they're used to you know you just you if you have to go you go and you don't want to get up and go all the way over there because you know, all of a sudden you're by yourself and you get surrounded so if they're used to dealing with lame brains all the time yeah. you know you just and if you if uh if you don't want to get spotted you don't want to attract attention you don't want to have all kinds of problems just because you're going someplace else you just go where you are i personally think it was a bargaining or distraction technique i think it was to sort of get rick and them a little bit off their rocker going what is this guy doing why is he doing that to give them the upper hand oh that could be you know He's like, I'm going to go pee in the corner. And they're going to be like, what is wrong with this guy? And they'll, they'll stop paying attention to Dave so much, maybe. Right. Well, the weird thing is, is that he's a city boy, right? Because you call True. him a city boy. He's he's from the city. He's got it. I couldn't quite pin down his accent, but uh, it was either Chicago or New York. I'm not quite sure. Okay. The ex- accent he was attempting, because I don't think it was very good. But um, he's a city boy. And city boys just don't piss in the corner someplace when they got to go. No, generally. they don't. People from the country do. Farm boys, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You know, I lived uh, I lived in, you know, sort of a small town, and we spent a lot of time in the country. And if you're out in the middle of the forest somewhere walking along a road, and you got to take a leak, you don't go, oh, crap, we got to go home. You, you just take four steps that way, and you take a leak. Well, to be fair, I would do that, too. Well, right. So <laughs> it's, and it's something that... Uh, you know, after you live in the country for a long time and you get used to that, when you're in the city, all of a sudden you're like, okay, I got to take a piss. You just, you find an alley and you go, right? Could be. True. But someone from the city, I'm saying, probably wouldn't have that instinct. I, I, I don't think anybody thinks it's okay to just pee in the bar, though, like indoors um, on somebody's see, floor. Under, you know, post-traumatic stress and uh, combat situations, <laughs> I think maybe it might have been... You know, I, I I agree that it might have been a, uh, a distraction technique. Yeah. A throw, get you know, get them off their uh, off their game, uh, put them off balance a little bit. That could be. But I'm saying that there's another explanation that just you know, in this situation where there is a constant and real threat, mm-hmm. anytime you step away from the group, uh, if you have to go for a leap, you just find a spot and go. I I suppose so. Uh, get them off their guard, I think, is what he was going for. That's, uh, you know, I'm not so sure. I I never, that didn't occur to me. I mean, uh, I'm I sure know. there was looks going around and stuff, but that, uh, you know, what was he doing? He's, yeah, sure he's uncouth. Sure, it's not really socially acceptable, but I don't think he was doing it uh, for the reasons you think. It, you know, while he was peeing, he also asked if they have any women with them because he hasn't had a piece of ass in a long time. He's very uncouth. What was the word he used? I couldn't quite pick it up. Like, 
coos or something like that. Cooch? It was, I don't. It might have been. I don't know. It was hard. It's hard to pick up. Yeah, it was something derogatory. I can well, tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But Rick refuses. He continues to refuse to tell them where they live or welcome them into the group. Um, and Dave kind of just keeps asking him about it and uh, wants him to take them back to the farm. And at that point, things get a little heated. Let's take a nice, friendly hayride to this uh, farm, and we'll get to know each other. That's not going to happen. Rick, it's bullshit. Calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. Don't ever tell me to calm down. Whoa. I'll shoot you three assholes in the head and take your damn Whoa, 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 whoa. Relax. Take it easy. Nobody's killing anybody. Nobody's shooting anybody, right, Rick? Whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody's shooting anybody. Uh, but then everyone shoots everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Dave climbs over the bar. Rick is in between him and Tony. They talk a little bit more. Dave goes for his gun, but Rick is a quick draw, and he takes them both out. He sure does. It was awesome. It was awesome. I think uh, I think Rick is a is a quick draw and was able to react. He didn't draw first either. I thought maybe we'd have a hand solo situation here, right? Where he recognized the threat and would just act because just, we've seen that in the comic. Yep. Right. So I thought maybe we'd get that, and that would have been interesting. Uh huh. But we didn't. We got a reactionary thing. Uh, they drew first. It was reactionary. Dave did go for his gun, which was on the bar first. Yep. Um, but Rick managed to take him out. And now, yeah, it, it was reactionary, but Rick clearly knew what was about to happen. Oh, yeah. He was had his hand right there. He was, he was cocked and loaded. Yeah. <laughs> so he shoots them both, and um, it was amazing. We get a couple of shots of Shane and T-Dog burning the bodies, and we're done. Yeah. That is that. The scene in the bar, the last scene in the bar, a thought occurred to me mm-hmm. uh, that uh, as as it had ended and, you know, Rick being a quick draw and me knowing, uh, you know, the, Shane's prowess with a firearm, I'm thinking to myself, what would Shane have done in this situation if Shane was in the bar? Yep. And I wanted to pose that question to you. Do you think, what, what do you think would have happened if, if Shane was there? If Shane of, was there instead, instead of, of Rick? Rick? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it probably would have gotten unfriendly a lot faster. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. they might not have sat around and actually had a drink together. And at the beginning of the conversation, when Rick says that Herschel lost a lot of people today, I got the feeling that Dave was genuinely sorry. Right. And he, he sort of said that. He said, I'm truly sorry for that. And I got the feeling that he actually meant that. So they did start off friendly enough, but clearly Dave and Tony's uh, uh, intentions were not entirely noble. If Shane was there, I think it probably would have gone south a lot sooner. And pure speculation, Shane would have probably tried to shoot them, but I think we probably would have lost Glenn or really? Herschel. Yeah. I don't know that Shane would have been as he's a good shot, we know that, but he would have he would have reacted and he would have panicked maybe, and he wouldn't have been as calm and collected. I think the uh, the end result would have been exactly the same. Uh, that except it, those guys wouldn't have gotten through the front door. <laughs> they would have got through the front door. I don't think they would have split up like the way that they did. They got, uh, you know, they basically surrounded Rick, got one on one side and then one behind him, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that would have mm-hmm. happened. I think that as soon as that started to happen, that weapon would have been in Shane's hand and they would be, would have been controlled at that point. And I think that it would have got south at that point. So I don't think the conversation would have lasted as long, but I think the outcome would have been the same. 
outcome, I, I don't know. The thing is, see, is as soon as they stand up, if Shane pulls a gun at that point, I mean, they're going to have two guns on Shane and one and him on one of them. Or maybe arms both ways. Or I don't know. Like that, that thing would have come out of, would have flew out of Shane's holster or his belt or wherever it was. And at that point, you don't draw. If somebody's got a gun on you, you don't draw. True, but there's only two of them and one of Shane. He can't have a gun on both of them at the same time. Now, Glenn was there, so he <clears> might have <throat> covered one guy. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're probably right. I think Shane probably would have been able to put them both, kill them both, but it would have been messier. See, and and Rick didn't hesitate either. So I'm just I'm I'm kind of contrasting Shane's leadership with like he wants to be the leader of this group mm-hmm. and Rick's leadership. And I want to I just I'm thinking about this in the back of my head as I'm watching the episodes as uh, you know if their roles were reversed, how would the uh, the situation be different? And this particular one I don't think would have been different. Not entirely. What I wanted to mention earlier when we were talking about the conversation that we thought might reveal Jenner's secret, we, of course, at this point, believe that the secret is you're all infected or you all turn to zombies, no matter what. Right. Or something along those lines. After, I noticed that after Rick shot Tony, the fat guy, twice in the chest, he walked over them, and although we didn't see it, he put one through his skull. That's right. And we see we see his body after with the with the bullet hole in his head, but we don't actually see Rick shoot him. We don't see the bullet That's hole being created. Right. Why would Rick do that if he's already shot him twice in the chest and killed him? He got him once in the shoulder and then on the belly. It wasn't in the chest. Okay, but it's enough to it, it's enough to put him on his ass. But you can still like that's still you can live for a little while, which gives you the ability to pull a trigger on a shotgun. I agree. I, I that's that's true. But I don't know. I think Rick might know what he has to do. He might know that, that very well he be. needs to put a bullet through this guy's head. Now that said, I don't think he hit Dave in the head. No, that was in the that was in the chest. Right? Did he only put one bullet in Dave? Yes, I think so too. But he fell behind the bar at that point. Yeah, maybe Dave's still alive down there for well, all we know. I wouldn't. You see, I wouldn't <laughs> have let Dave go over the bar because as soon as he was doing that, I'm thinking he's looking for cover. Right. right? He's getting into a position where he can have cover. I wouldn't. I would have stopped him at that point. My weapon would have come out and said, "You stand right there yeah. until we finish this conversation." <laughs> true, true. Although the, it was such a point blank range, that cover wasn't going to do much, anyways. Well, no, but the fact that they're both, in my mind, jockeying for a position, mm-hmm. meant that this is going to go south no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. So it might as well go south right now. Yeah, that's true. I mean, might as well. Might as well have a standoff. Why not? Yep. <laughs> shooting match. A shooting match. So that was it. That was the end of the episode. It uh, To me, I think this was a pretty good balance of character dialogue and surprising occurrences. I don't want to say action because right. there wasn't a lot of, you know, all out action. But I feel like enough happened that it was pretty satisfying. I, I like this episode. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. I mean some people are going to be like, come on, there were still no zombies in this. And all they did was talk except for two shots at the end. But I don't know. I, I can again, see their point, but it doesn't really bother me. I think it was a pretty good balance here. You know, we, I felt good about it. Well, we saw a zombie. We did see a zombie. <laughs> Most of them were dead. And they were burning them. Though. Well, I mean, we saw the zombie that, uh, that hit Lori's car. 
True. That was an actual walker. A hero zombie. Hero? Well, he was alone. He had a special scene. He wasn't just in, in a crowd, you know. Well, he was just wandering across the road. <laughs> he was just trying to cross the road. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still have to pay attention to what you're doing, when, even when you're driving on a road where you expect nobody. True. You like, can't be Lord, looking at a map. On. Yeah. You know. you know, there's laws about that thing. You don't look at a map while you're driving. If you want to check the map, you pull over. It's true. Sadly, I've seen people reading newspapers while they're driving. They are reading books and texting and all that kind of wild and crazy crap. Don't even do that while you're, while the world is overrun with zombies, people. It's just a bad idea. Keep your eyes on the prize. Eyes on the prize. In this case was uh, the road. All right. So there it is. There is Nebraska. I thought it was pretty good. And I think if you're worried about action, sit tight. There's going to be some serious stuff coming up in the next episode and beyond. And I uh, just wanted to say from Answers.com, mm-hmm. uh, how much does the human arm weigh? And uh, the answer I got is uh, 3.35 kilograms or uh, seven some odd pounds, 7.38 pounds, which is not as much as it seems that arm weighed. No, that doesn't seem that heavy at all, really. So, um I, then again, when you think about it, imagine if your arm was 30 pounds. Like, you'd be working hard to raise your arms yeah. up. Yeah. Well, it says it's uh, uh, the total arm mass is given as a mean, like a mean value of 3.26 kilograms with a standard deviation of 0.46 kilograms. So it could be as much as, uh, you know, a, a pound and a bit heavier or a pound and a bit lighter, depending on the person. Sure. Of course. People have all different size arms. But that thing looked like it was about 30 pounds. It did look a little bit heavy. Maybe Andrea's just a weakling. Maybe, but she can know. swing a scythe like nobody's business. <laughs> That's, that is true. <laughs> All right. Before we move on, I need to thank our sponsor for this episode of The Talking Dead, and that is Audible. For you, list, for you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. <clears throat> Jason, let's do a book recommendation. What have you got? All right. Well, we had a listener actually write in to uh, ask, ask me a question. Sometime last year, you recommended an audio book about aliens who come to Earth during the Civil War and decide they are easy prey for an invasion, and they come back. The series you're looking for is uh, the World War Colonization Series by Harry Turtledove. The first uh, the first book is called uh, World War in the Balance, and they uh, the aliens actually came during sometime in the 1400s when we were on horseback with uh, you know swords and lances and stuff. <laughs> yep. And they're like, uh, yeah, we got tanks and planes and stuff. We can take them out no problem. But then they land in the middle uh, or near the tail end of World War II when we also have tanks and planes and stuff. And so uh, it was a little more challenging for them than they originally had thought. So uh, Harry Turtledove, uh, World War in the Balance, uh, actually comes in at a hefty 26 hours and 33 minutes. That's a good read. Do you know who the listener that wrote in was? Uh, uh, Bobby. Bobby, All right. Bobby from the internet. Bobby from the internet. Uh, so Bobby, Harry Turtledove, give me the title again. World War in the Balance. World War in the Balance. Okay, sounds extremely cool. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for your free audiobook. We thank Audible a great deal for their support of this program. Holy crap. Did you see that? That is right. It is time for Holy Crap. Did you see that? And before we give you our picks, we've got one from a listener, and that is Ashley in Pittsburgh. She says, my holy crap, did you see that moment was Rick taking out the two guys in the bar. It was a true gunslinger moment, and you really got to see for the first time that Rick can be just as dangerous as Daryl and Shane. 
Very, very good. Pretty good one. Yeah, gunslinger. I like that. It is. Very you know, good. He knows how to sling some gun. <laughs> he should have twirled it while he's putting it back in his holster. And blown the smoke off the end of the barrel. <laughs> That'd have been good. <laughs> cool. So um, I'm going to go with my pick now. Sure, sure. Holy crap, did you see that? And I'm going to go with something that isn't exactly flashy or exciting or anything like that, but it is the scene when Carol comes stumbling out of the forest and Shane is there washing his head. <laughs> Again. Again, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they sit down, and while they're talking, he was sort of washing her hands and, and rinsing off her arms and stuff like that. And I noticed that her hands were really black, and she had scrapes on her arms. Now, clearly, they all have scrapes and bruises and bumps and all that sort of thing. But her hands, to me, didn't look like they were covered with dirt blackness, like she was digging in the dirt. Uh-huh. They looked more like... I don't know, something else, something grosser. I, I don't really know what, but all I could think of is, of course, maybe she had a walker encounter that we haven't seen in the woods, and she has scrapes on her arms. Maybe she got away but didn't quite get away, and that's why she's so kind of despondent and, uh, you know, upset. Hmm. Granted, her daughter was just killed. However, it seemed like she was kind of completely completely out of her mind right, right there and she had these dirty hands and scrapes and it wasn't uh it wasn't all that clear but i don't know maybe something will come of it did you uh do you, so you think she uh she's in danger of becoming a walker maybe maybe she's in taint in danger of slowly dying or getting a fever and we will see oh that's interesting that'd be very interesting it would we in the comic here's a spoiler for the comic coming up everyone we have had characters in the comic who have submitted to the zombies and let themselves be devoured. Right. Maybe we're getting that situation with Carol here because she's truly got nothing left to live for. Yep. That's mine. So mine is more of a, holy crap, did you hear that? Hmm. So, Good, uh, this is the first audio, holy crap. And, I, and I've, got, uh, I've got two possibilities uh, of, uh, or two things I'm going to throw out there. Uh, one, uh, and they both happened in the bar with Dave and uh, what's the other guy's name? What's his name? Tony. Tony, Dave and Tony. Uh, the first one is Tony, when he first, he said, he was, this is Tony, uh, he says, eat me, Dave. You're right. Dave says, uh, maybe someday I will. Yep. <laughs> so we've got uh, a hint at cannibalism. Yes, we do. That's very funny. interesting. So uh, maybe, you know, and, and Dave goes on to talk about, you know, the stuff that we've done. Nobody's innocent. Uh, we've mm-hmm. had to do some pretty terrible things. And uh, I thought that maybe cannibalism might become a part of the group that they're with because they are in a group yes they and, are and they did talk about other guys other people at a camp uh-huh. so there's more of them we know that that's happening and the other thing that uh, dave mentioned was uh, they tried to get to washington dc to a safe zone that they heard about up there that's true I thought was also very interesting so kind of a double comic reference yep two comic book references in one conversation very interesting yeah. i like that Cool. That's it for Holy Crap. Did you see that? If you have any moments you want to send in, by all means, call our voicemail line at one 483 or send us an email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Now it is time for listener feedback. Listener feedback. All right. First of all, Facebook. Uh, Dave, our friend of the show, Dave, who was on a couple of weeks ago, wrote on Facebook. He says, you know, you guys know I love The Walking Dead, but I'm wondering if I'm alone and feeling a little bit disappointed by most of this episode, referring to Nebraska. Except for the end, I understand character development, yada, yada. That's all fine and dandy, but I suppose I just expected a little more pizzazz. 
My gut feeling is, Dave, I think maybe you are alone. <laughs> I don't know. We'll we'll see. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of the reaction online to this episode yet. My personal feeling is that it was a good balance between character development and, again, I can't say action because there weren't extended sequences of action movie stuff, but there were surprises, there were developments, there, were, there was stuff happening. You can't say... Yes, events were taking place, yes. right? <laughs> you can't say that nothing happened in this episode, right? At least in my opinion. Well, because so. I mean, obviously, my thought is that uh, the state of the group at the beginning and the state of the group at the end are very different, mm-hmm. right? And we did get places. There was movement, right? We've got a couple of new plot lines, or one plot line that's closed, but we've got a new couple of new ones that are uh, that are opening up here. That uh, we. I, Probably three or four of them that could open up at this point. Mm-hmm. We've got the uh, the Glenn and Maggie thing going on. They got their relationship issues to work out. We've got uh, Lori in a car that's upside down someplace, uh, you know, and it's getting dark probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, a shootout in a bar by a gunslinger. Yes, and uh, you know some loud noises. Who who knows who could that could attract? Whether it be walkers or more of these this group that uh, uh, Dave and Tony were in. Uh, and we've got T-Dog and Shane building a giant zombie fire that's just going to have black smoke plump pluming up into the sky and probably attracting more people. Yeah, it didn't look like there was a lot of smoke there, but... Uh, well, once the fire gets going, though. Well, there should be, because they're burning bodies, and that's probably really, really gross black inky smoke. And hair and, and hair and other stuff. That's just nasty stuff. But, uh, yeah, they've got that... Uh, they're building a beacon for whatever, people, zombies... Yeah. For Tony and 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 uh, Tony and Dave's friends. Yeah. Here not? we are. You know. You know. All Rick went to all this trouble not to tell you where you where we are, but here's our big smokestack. You think smoke if they're at a farm that uh, that Herschel would have had a backhoe someplace? He might. It right. doesn't look like there's a lot of high end farming equipment there. Uh, well, he's a cow farmer. Like there's cows and stuff, but I'm not. They have fields, right? There's fields. Well, there are big open spaces. <laughs> so there's got to be some kind of digging machinery. Somewhere. You think that somewhere on a farm nearby there'd be a backhoe that they could use to dig a big hole and throw a bunch of zombies Herschel's in. pretty old, so maybe he, it's sort of an inactive farm at this point. Maybe he's retired and, you know, now they just live on the land. Right. I don't know. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Dave, back to your, your point there. I think a lot happened. I think it, was, uh, it wasn't it was like all action, all pizzazz, but uh, I think we got... You're right. We had a lot of events occur. Uh, but uh, there was also a lot of interaction and character development, and uh, I think there was a lot of movement there. I, I also don't think saying events occurred is is a cop-out, which it could be taken that way, you know, because events occur in every episode. Otherwise, there'd be no TV well, show. I don't but... know. I've watched shows where no events occur. <laughs> Seinfeld, like at Seinfeld, for yeah. example. <laughs> Nothing happened. <laughs> Dave hated that show as far as oh, I know. Oh, okay. So. That could, there's very little pizzazz in that show. <laughs> True. Last week, we talked about the title for a future upcoming episode, Better Angels, and Andrew from Colorado wrote in on where that comes from. Oh, good. Uh, he, he says that the author of the phrase is Abraham Lincoln in his first inaugural address, which I think you mentioned last uh, week. Uh, yeah, I, sp- I spotted it somewhere. Well, here's the clip, He's, uh, the uh, quote. He sent it in, and I, I just want to read it because I've never gotten to read anything by Abraham Lincoln again. Awesome. <laughs> so he said, I am loath to close. We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. 
Though passion may have strained, it, mu it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic cords of memory, stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land, will yet swell the chorus of the Union, when touched, when again touched, as surely they will be by the better angels of our nature. Oh, there you go. It's too bad I couldn't do that without fumbling twice or three times, but hey. What are you going to do? That's quite the speech, given the, you know, it's the end of the Civil War. Uh-huh. Right? It's, uh, that's a very touching little speech. Very good. It was his, it was the closing paragraph of his first inaugural address. Awesome. Good times. Jonathan from the internet wrote in on Daryl saying, sorry, brother, and shooting somebody. He says, hey, guys, I just wanted to say that I think that Daryl is not talking to Merle when he says, sorry, brother, I think he is talking to T-Dog. Reason being, if I were about to shoot my zombified brother, I'm pretty sure I would say, sorry, Jimmy, or sorry, Joey. I wouldn't say, sorry, brother. It just doesn't seem right for some reason. Although, I could very well see myself saying, sorry, brother, to one of my very close friends, since over time, we've become just like brothers. That's why I think Daryl is saying that to T-Dog, since they became closer friends and had their moments together, like when Daryl saved T-Dog on the highway. Right. Then again... Who would you be more angry at? The man who cuffed your brother to a pipe or the man who dropped the cuff's key? I think he feels really bad for T-Dog and knows Merle wasn't his fault, and that's why he calls him brother before killing him. Huh. So there you go. That could be. <clears throat> uh, Jonathan also sent in a bunch of biblical references derived from numbers he found appearing on the show. Ooh. And uh, I, I don't have them all here, but um, it, was, it was kind of interesting, and I encouraged him to... I encourage Jonathan to post them on our Facebook page and see what everyone else thinks. That'd be great. You know, he he, he finds numbers on clocks, on posters, on every, anywhere in the show, and he looks, uh, he's Googling them and finding all the uh, biblical verses that seem to in some ways line up with the events of the show. So <laughs> cool. could be interesting. Uh, one other thing, too, is that it seems that consensus out there is that Daryl is, in fact, talking to T-Dog with the Sorry Brother. People on Facebook and the internet at large kind of seem to be feeling this way right so look for daryl shooting t-dog in a future episode i will look for that very good and that is going to do it all we have left is next time on the walking dead next week on the walking dead so this episode this portion of the show will be potentially rather spoilery if you don't want to hear it i suggest cutting out now spoiler-tastic there we go so here is the audio from the trailer for the next episode which is called trigger finger on the next episode of amc's the walking dead yo someone in there we're just looking for our friends let me tell you something they bound to get us all killed then we have to stop that what are you doing keeping an eye on you get out of here we all know this is not gonna end well Next episode of so what we know from that is that everyone who's in the bar gets attacked mm -hmm. by Tony and, and Dave's friends. Other people. Other people. And Rick tells them it's not going to end well. Well, of course not. So um, It's a shootout. What shootouts end well? Yeah. <laughs> shootouts typically don't end well for somebody. Um, and we also see a, a strange interaction between Daryl and Carol. Daryl seems to have resurrected his ear necklace. Well, we the ear necklace is it it's shown again. So he may have gotten back 
Mm-hmm. Like Rick went, uh, you're feeling better now. I found this on you. You probably want these back. Thank you very much. I missed these ears. Right. So, and, and he's like set up shop somewhere, you know, in a, in a shack or something. And he's got his ear necklace hanging from the ceiling. And Carol comes in and goes like, I'm just keeping an eye on you. <laughs> Why would she do that? I don't, I don't, I can't think of what's going on there. I don't know. Maybe she's taken to wandering the woods and uh, now she's stumbled across his shrine of zombie ears, which I guess he's collected from every zombie he's found. And... I guess she's recognized maybe that uh, that Daryl's kind of behaving like the old Daryl, you know, not trusting anybody and not with the group anymore. Like he doesn't have a purpose anymore because... Yeah, maybe that's it. He feels like he has no purpose with the group anymore. Before, he was the one searching for the girl. Right. But now that that's done, he's like, well, what do I do now? Collect ears. And he becomes weird and starts collecting ears. Like a bucket full of ears. Right. (laughs) What's that from? That's from uh, Coupling. I don't know. You remember you watch Coupling, right? I've seen the show. The British comedy. British comedy Coupling. uh, Jeff, I think his name is, is talking to this woman who doesn't speak English. And uh, he just sort of said, I like your ears. And, but not, you know, I don't collect them or anything. Like, right. It's not like I have a bucket full of ears. <laughs> I can't believe I just said bucket of ears. Anyway, it goes on from there. But uh, it reminded me of that. So Daryl's a bucket, an ear collector. Yeah. Okay. And he's got a bucket full. So who knows what's going on there? We yeah. see a shootout happening at the bar. And we see a zombie attacking Lori in the car. So she's clearly all right. And it's dark. And it's dark, and there's a zombie face coming in the broken glass. So someone needs to come help her. Uh, I would say so. Or she needs to help herself. We will see. Yeah, she needs to, she's got a gun. Well, she had it on the seat, so when the car flips over and around, it's, it's probably it out the could window. Could be anywhere. Now. Yeah. <laughs> really. Really could. Could have gone off yeah, for all we That's know. why you don't leave a handgun on the seat beside you. Generally a bad idea. You put it in the glove box. That's where you find handguns. Right? Yeah. And there's a reason because su- they don't fly around the car when they're in the glove box. <laughs> I'm surprised that it's not called a gun box. Well, no. It's, it's, it's for your gloves. <laughs> and guns. Well, yeah. And your, you know, your registration and insurance. And, and maps. And, yeah. And your, they uh, shouldn't <clears throat> be in your hand in front of your eyes. No, while no. Driving. You shouldn't be driving with a map. Okay. So next week's episode, as we've said, is called Trigger Finger. It's directed by Billy Gearhart and written by David Leslie Johnson. Now, here is the official summary from amctv.com. Trapped, Rick, Herschel, and Glenn fight to survive against new foes, both dead and alive. Shane finds Lori in danger on the road and makes it his mission to bring her back to the farm. So this is actually more of a description than we got last week, than, than we read last week, that we found on a mystery site on the internet. Mystery. So maybe those ones from last week weren't as official as we thought they might be. How does Shane find Lori? That's what I want to know. Why does he go out? Well, he he must just realize she's gone, realizes a car is missing, and maybe he just goes out to find her. Well, it's obviously on the road between the farm and town, right? Yes. Because that's where she was going. That would that should be evident. I mean, where else would she be going? Right. So maybe he jumped in the truck <clears throat> and is driving to town to find out what's going on. I don't. There's no way for Rick or Glenn or Herschel to call the farm to let them know they're in a shootout and they're pinned down. No. And they got to hit them off at the pass. Yeah. No. I. I. There's no way Shane leaves to look for them. He must realize that Lori's disappeared. He goes looking. He thinks, "Oh my God, the car is gone. What's she doing?" Well, where would she go other than to find her husband? So he probably just jumps in a truck and drives down the road a couple miles, and there she is upside down. That's fair. 
it, it makes sense, uh, I would think, especially if maybe the day goes by and it starts to get dark and they all go back to their tents and he realizes she isn't there. I don't know. Right. We will see. But that's next week on The Walking Dead when we get Trigger Finger. Anything else, Jason? I think that is going to wrap up this episode. Oh, I think uh, I think we've put everything. We've laid place. it all out there. Right? Laid it all out. All right, sweet. If you want to give us a call, please do one eight six six four eight three Z O M B. That is one eight six six four eight three nine six six two. We want to hear all your comments and questions, and uh, of course, your holy crap, did you see that moments? Because I like hearing what you guys have to say about that, mm-hmm. or what you see in episodes that you know maybe not, maybe some people missed. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Finally, there's a good old email, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Send all your questions and comments into that, and uh, we'll see what we can do about getting them on the air. So, uh, for The Talking Dead, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.